Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series today and looking forward to learning more about serving as a pastor, maybe considering transitioning to pastor as a second career. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Today we are heading north. We're heading to South Dakota. Joining us today, Reverend Nabil Noor, Senior Pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, and Fourth Vice President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Noor, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Well, good morning to you both, Andy and Jordan, and what a blessing to be with you to speak about work and the calling that God bestows upon us in spite of us. Amen. We are looking forward to hearing your story and sharing it with our listeners. You you, uh, serve as a guest frequently here on KFUO on a a few programs, some of our Bible studies, and Mm -hmm. from time to time you have an interesting topic to share with us. But I don't know if we've ever shared your story. And so I'm looking forward to hearing your unique story. And I know that it starts in Nazareth. And someone else had a story that started in Nazareth. Rings a bell. Sounds familiar. So share with us your unique story of how you got from Nazareth to being a pastor in South Dakota? Well, interestingly enough, I am from Nazareth, but only remember, even though the scripture says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It is there. <laughs> There's only one, and it's not me. So let's get that straight out there. How did my journey begin from Nazareth all the way to come to South Dakota? I really never dreamt of flying to the country, to the U.S., or being my country. It was by invitation from my oldest brother who had come to this country. And he said, once you come over, studying, of course, I thought, no way. I was out of school. I'd been in trouble with the nuns of the convent. I was raised as a Catholic. At one point, I actually thought of becoming a priest. And my father said to me, son, what in the world do you want to be a priest for? Don't you want to have a son to call you father? or Baba in my language. And I pondered that. I thought, okay. And dad said, well, he can serve the church in another way. So I really had no desire of being a pastor. I came to this country and I didn't even know about Lutheranism. What's it like? I never heard of Lutheranism at all. Remember, this was 1972 when I migrated to this country. I did migrate at that time. I came to go to school and returned back. But then I met a beautiful, gorgeous lady who was a a Lutheran, and through her lens and through her heart, she taught me what grace is all about and introduced me to Lutheranism. She is my wife, and this coming Sunday we'll be celebrating our 46th anniversary. And I went to school to become a lawyer, and while I was going to school, I started painting business, which was very successful. I had five men working for me, and... So I was doing extremely well financially, but along the road, we had lived in Huron where we got married here in South Dakota, and then we moved to Sioux Falls where the economy was booming for the painting industry, and I was doing very well, working with my brother, and then got involved at our Redeemer in Sioux Falls. And while there, attending Bible study and other things, many of the 
people would encourage me to go to the ministry. I says, no way, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be a pastor. I'm not going to be a pastor. Don't ask me to be a pastor. There were two main characters in my life who really had that specific influence on my life. One of them is a sainted gentleman now who I buried just recently. His name is Tom Macau. He was my assistant as the youth counselor and teacher. And every Sunday for five years, he was like, would be a pastor. And I would say, just shut up, Tom. I don't <laughs> want any pastor. Then we had a vacancy. The pastor retired at 28 years. And we got a new pastor. His name is Howard Shane. And I was still the youth counselor. And in the fall, he came like in May. In the fall, he had come to our Redeemer, and then he called me to the office and thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. What did I do? I got to see him, and he gave it to me. As we sat down, he said, I've been watching you. I've been listening to you. And he opens his wallet, takes a picture, and he gives it to me. He says, I need you to go over there. I said, what is it? He says, this is Luther's Tower at the seminary in St. Louis. I says, not you also. That's what I said. Fast forward, I think I'm going to put it in the back burner. During this period, nine years, and I was invited to take some of our youth to Bloomington, Minnesota, where Terry Dittmer was giving a youth workshop, how to be better leaders. And at that gathering, there was a young man who was going to commit suicide. And I sat with him in the elevator for about five hours, making sure he would leave until I knew he was safe. So 5 a.m. in the morning, I go to my room, get down on my knees, weeping. Lord, this is what you want me to do. I'll do it. So I come home. I say to my wife, you better sit down. <laughs> I have something to you, and it's not another woman. But I have decided to go to the ministry, and she said, it's about time. <laughs> I said, what do you mean it's about time? She said, don't you remember all these people asking you? And specifically, we had a missionary who had come to preach, and he kept looking at me and said, you need to go to the ministry. I said, she did. I didn't even realize it. And so that really was the path. And then, of course, the rest is history. I, after that, I did apply and was received in St. Louis. I received a great education. And I've been blessed beyond measure, and it is a humbling honor and a privilege to be God's mouthpiece, to bring people from the to light, from sin to center, and from unholiness to holiness. It is the highest privilege and the greatest office in the world. There's no greater office than to being a pastor. I'd say that's a pretty good spot or advertisement for becoming a pastor. <laughs> In your experience, what, if you could sort of articulate it for us, what, how was the transition from being a, a painter or having a painting business to switching over to pastoral leadership? Was that like inconvenient? Was it difficult? Was it a smooth transition? What was that like? Well, one you know, by God's grace, my wife and I prayed and we decided this is what we're going to do. I was determined full force to go, but in the back of my, in the back of my head, I, what if I don't succeed? Yeah. So I came 
I kept some of the equipment. I didn't keep all of the equipment just in case. Back into the ministry. I went from a painter to a preacher. Both had the same, the beginning. And so the difficulty, but not so much. Well, the transition is difficult, of course, going from a, a vocation with salary that is guaranteed. And now you rely totally on the mercy and the grace of God. So there's always that fear. But what came to mind is Proverbs 30, Proverbs 5. Commit your ways unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to care. And so I went with that mentality, realizing if this is what God wanted me to do, he will carry it through. If it's not from God's will, he will close the door. As if you look, if you remember in the book of Acts chapter 4, Gamaliel said to the Jewish leader, if this is from God, you can't succeed against him. If it is not from God, it will go away. He was talking about, of course, the disciples trying to silence them. And so in that regard, I went with the conviction that if this is what God wanted me to do, he will carry, carry me through. And that was the confidence I had. Did I have fear that I may not succeed? Of course. Remember, I knew nothing about Lutheranism. I wasn't raised as a Lutheran. I was raised as a Catholic who always had to do something to prove to God I'm worthy of his love. And this is the difference between us and them in the sense we live by grace, not by the law. And that's something that my wife has taught me and Pastor Shane has taught me, Tom Marco has taught me, Jerry Dittman has taught me. And of course, the professors at the seminary, specifically my spiritual father, Dr. Louis, and who was sainted. And so all of these men and women showed me a different angle about grace. And once you taste grace, boy, you don't want to go back. Like Luther, and like Luther, I can honestly say, thank God I don't have to do anything to win his favor. He loves me in spite of me. And that really is the great comfort for me as I move forward. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Amen to that. What What was seminary life like? for you and for your wife at that time as a second career student coming back to school again in, you know, later in life, what was that like to, to be a student again? Well, I'll tell you what, it was the biggest fear I ever endured because remember I was not, I mean, I went to college. Yes. I did not have the high academic that I needed at the seminary because my books were painting charts and stained paper stained colors as well as wallpaper, you know, books. Those are the papers I looked at daily, but blueprint. But then we go into summer Greek boot camp and we had to learn Greek and going from working eight hours to studying 14 hours Greek was just an enormous task. It is unbelievable task, doer, you know. Going from full-time work with putty knives and brushes and mixers to wow. nothing but, you know, concordances and definitions of this word or that, you know, dictionary. We had to learn English and Greek at the, <clears throat> at the same time because my, remember, I did not grow up English. And so there's so many nuances that I did not know at that time. So I had to learn the English in order for me to understand degree and I had to learn the actual verb forms and how do they function in order for me to, you know, 
master the Greek, not that you can master it, that you can learn it. And, uh, you know, uh, so it, it was a challenge. I'll say that. But what really has helped in the sense that I was committed by God's grace. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would never make it to the seminary. It was not by my own power. I'll say that much. I'll repeat it. But only by the grace of God, I was able to do so because he supported me with men around me to help me study, keep my eyes focused, even when it was really, really, really difficult. Greek is a hard subject to undertake, but boy, it opens your eyes to the window of the word of God and how rich treasure we have in the word of God. And that really made it a lot easier. Once I began to read the Greek, the Hebrew, I had no problem. But as far as the, as far as the Greek, that was something else, but it opened up. And then of course it allowed me to, to dig even deeper into the Hebrew. And that even made me appreciate what I had grown up with. And I spoke as a child. And so the Hebrew continues to be with ease for me. And I love it. I tend to preach more on the Old Testament than I do on the New Testament, what I call it the First Testament. <laughs> but, but the 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 wisdom in the original languages, even though it is hard, it is something that really is top-notch thing to help you see every word and the purpose for that word and how it affects the message. We have more to learn about serving as a second career pastor in that formation as well. Our guest today, the Reverend Nabil Noor, Senior Pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, and fourth Vice President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harm. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. Our guest today, the Reverend Nabil Noor, Senior Pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, and fourth Vice President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. And our guest today with, a, I think, a really a beautiful and unique story. And Pastor Noor, going back to your your childhood in Nazareth, and then coming to the United States to learn to, to be a student and then developing a career here, then going to seminary after the encouragement of several along the way and, and finding Greek a bit challenging, but Hebrew not a challenge at all for you. Were there other advantages that you had because of where you grew up? As a, you know, were there advantages for you as a seminary, as a seminarian? Absolutely. I mean, all of the places, scripture, I've been there, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the things I teach my saints today, the three C's, I call them, context is king, culture is 
tech center. So know the, the culture. That opens totally different. I'll give you an example. So in Japan, chapter two, we have the wedding at Kena, which I did a hundred times. I grew up in Nazareth, which is only a few miles from Kena. But and the custom of that day, and what does it mean to run out of wine is the greatest embarrassment in the world for the couple. And literally, it could cause havoc in the household and dishonor in the household. So in that regard, that is absolutely essential. But I think also what helped me in my vocation as a painter, I dealt with a lot of people at different, you know, different levels. I, I dealt with uh, contractors who had to do other work with me. I, I read, I dealt the architect. I dealt with the inspector. And each and every one of these different things dealt with me in a different way. And you have to learn how to communicate and you had to learn how to eat and how to listen. One of the greatest advantages I have over first, I mean, no second career students are going straight through is they really don't have world experience or daily experience. How do you deal with things that come up, for example, in the church, because it's an imperfect, even though it's got Christ's bride. We have all sorts of people. Some are kind, some are not. Some are beautiful. Some can be downright ugly and nasty. And yet, in my vocation as a painter, I dealt with a lot of people. And you had to really listen and sometimes have to bite your tongue and not say anything, realizing the customer is always right, even though they could be wrong. You just have to teach them how to realize what they are saying is wrong without telling them how they are wrong. I think that's the one advantage I have over someone who has not run as a second career because I've been out in the world. I dealt with thousands of dollars, but how do we deal in the best possible way to bring the best result? Applying that in the ministry. So you have somebody who is really struggling and they're having a hard time and they don't trust you. How do you build that trust among them? Or you have a couple who are fighting and they want to get a divorce. How do you teach them to see this is not wise thing? And how do you show them the love of Jesus in word and deed? Two things, patience and time. Time is a gift that God gives us. One of the things is you don't have to make a decision right now to solve every problem. And God did not send me to this place to solve problems. God sent me to this place to preach the gospel of law and gospel in a God-pleasing way. And so you utilize what God has given you. You apply it as the medicine of immortality to the wounded hearts. And you communicate it in such a way that they can hear it without being preachy, but such a joy that they cannot abstain from it, such as, you know, you take, for example, all the ingredients to make a cake, right? You need an egg, you need a little salt, a little yeast, a little flour, a little water. You try to taste any of those things independently and none of them taste good. But you mix them together and bake them and you have something wonderful. 
and people eat it. Says, oh my, this is delicious. That's what we do. Take all of these elements and light, put them together, and the Holy Spirit bakes it in such a way that He, as a heavenly meal, that will the same His house of worship say, I didn't have it now. I want to come. I think that something is so beautiful that we can communicate with others about it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I like the cake analogy. We're both laughing over here. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Yeah. Hey, thanks. So uh, <laughs> well, next idea is I weren't hungry. One of my says, one of my friends, the Trinity, bless her heart. She always says, I can never stop listening to you. You can just keep on going as long as you want. Well, of course, you'll realize that you can't do that. However, but to receive that is a wonderful thing. It's isn't in a deal thing. Remember, when you serve God, you can't go wrong. Yes. And to be a pastor is not that challenging. Two simple things. Love God. People. Serve God. Serve people. Bingo. And God. cake. Don't forget cake. That's it. <laughs> well, the cake. If you do those things together. <laughs> so the next time you're in St. Louis, can you come sit down with me and my friends for the next theological debate we have? We're a very multi-denominational group. Sounds like you have some good wisdom. <laughs> well, I will be I will be happy to if time permit when I come sure. to St. Louis but my time is not my own anymore. I travel quite a bit and I speak and lecture I can like this and I I love to discuss things. Because I do bring with me, and this is not to sound elegant, please forgive me if I do. Culture really, it really brings a lot of things that most Westerners cannot really grasp. And I have, I take tours overseas every year, and I'll be leaving in just a month to Israel. So what I do is I teach, say, bring your Bible, bring a highlight and a notebook. What I do with it is open it's black and white. I give it sound, and I give it voice, and I give it color, and I give it motion. And that's what we do when we stand in the pulpit, whether we are second career or first career. My role is to proclaim the gospel. I don't have to prove the scripture. I don't have to defend the scripture. Scripture can stand on its own, as Isaiah 4 tells us. The flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord is with forever. And so when we're dealing with the word, it's the verse that we have. And it is that treasure that helps us to communicate and share with the world around us. And it is a privilege. It's the greatest and highest, noblest death I'm a privilege to do. Great. So speaking of second careers or third careers, as you were saying, what is some advice from your years of experience and having switched from a successful career to being a pastor? What would you tell someone who's maybe considering the same thing, who maybe they are an engineer or they're an artist or they're doing something else, but they're considering pastoral leadership as a second career? Well, what I will tell you, number one, is do you pray? That's the number one thing. You pray and see God's wisdom in that direction. Number two, see godly men around you who will guide you in that position. So in my case, I went to Pastor Shane, the one who asked me to go into the ministry. I visited with him and said, what does it look and what does it mean to be a pastor? Then Dale, that guest, who used to be the former South Dakota district president, 
I literally sat with him one time for over three and a half hours talking about the role of a pastor, going to the seminary, what does that entail? And then I surrounded myself with godly. I asked them about what does it mean? How does this affect me? And then the, the great man in my life who had greater influence than anyone else is my father-in-law who did now. I sat with him and he said, you know, Nabil, you come from a different background. It might be very hard for you to go to the seminary and to study, but if this is what you're going to do, mom and I will pay to help you with your friend to make it easier. So if you take a look at my life and all of the moments in my life, every single path I took, God was leading and directing. And so, as I said earlier, I'll repeat again, if this is from God, he's going to guide you. Fear, there are 365 times in the Bible, the word fear not. That's for every day of your life, every day of the year, excuse me. And when... By God's grace, you have reached that place where you are making the fork on the road. Do I stay in my vocation? Whatever my vocation is, whether it's a painter, carpenter, or an engineer, or electrician, or whatever, then go forward, trusting that God is leading. And when you, you do, remember what it says in Luke 9, 62, the man who is plowing does not turn back. So once you put your hand to the plow, don't turn back. You go forward, realizing when you walk with Jesus, he will be by you. He will guide you. He'll be the compass. He'll be the light. He will be the zeal in your life. And he is the one who will teach you every step of the way to bring honor and glory to his holy name. So simply is surround yourself with godly people. But the number one thing, Lord, this is the one thing that you want me to do with my life. And of course, since my wife was so supportive, it made it so much easier. And if your wife and your family are not supportive, I would not advise. Because if you do, that will become a wedge between you and your spouse. So I had the support from my wife and my children, even though they were young, they didn't know much about it. But, you know, and then, but my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, both are sainted now, but my father-in-law was really the the man who shaped me to be what I today He was a layman, but he was a great theologian because he lived his faith daily. As a matter of fact, when he just about to die, he says, Nabil, my body is getting weaker, but my soul is getting stronger. Those were the final words he spoke to me before I kissed him and said goodbye to him. And so that man really had a great influence on my life to be not only a pastor, but a husband and a father and a grandfather, because he really laid the ground for me. And I told him he had greater influence on my life than my own father. So the, the people around you who are encouraging you, certainly a key part in considering uh, making that transition to serving in that vocation, to, to that formation at seminary and serving in that vocation in the future. Our guest today, the Reverend Nabil Noor, Senior Pastor, Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, fourth Vice President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Noor, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thanks, Andy, and God's blessings to you guys as you serve the Lord. 
You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harm. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.